Well, please turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 115. Psalm 115. Today we're going to continue our reflection upon the Lord's Prayer as it is explained and applied through the Heidelberg Catechism. Now, as a reminder, the Heidelberg Catechism was not a revolutionary document, but truly a reformational document. The ancient Christian, uh, the ancient practice of the Christian Church when it came to catechesis was to teach the church through the lens of the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, the sacraments, and the Lord's Prayer. And so you see that the Heidelberg Catechism uses these foundational documents as its base text for, for, its, its cate- for the catechism. Uh, we've walked through the Apostles' Creed as the content of faith. We've thought about the sacraments as the means that the Spirit uses to confirm this same faith. We've, we've thought about... Um, uh, the Ten Commandments and God's will for us in our moral lives, and now we're reflecting upon the Lord's Prayer. So please uh, turn your attention to Psalm 115. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nation say, Where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not not hear, noses but do not smell. They have hands but do not feel, feet but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and the great. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's. Uh, the heavens are the Lord's heavens, and the earth he has given to the children of man. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Well, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please look with me in, in your order of worship at the confessional reading element. This morning we are confessing together Lord's Day 47, which just consists of one question and answer. Question and answer 122. Again, the reason why the catechism is broken up into particular Lord's Days is so that the church can reflect upon these core teachings throughout one calendar year. And these are some of the main things that we need to be catechized and we need to know and be familiar with. As always, I'll read the question if you please respond by reciting the answer. Question 122 asks, what does the first petition mean? Hallowed be your name means help us to truly know you, to honor, glorify, and praise you for all your works and for all that shines forth from them. Your almighty power, wisdom, kindness, justice, mercy, and truth. And it means help us to direct all our living, what we think, say, and do, so that your name will never be blasphemed because of us, 
but always honored and praised. Let us pray. Merciful Father, we thank you that you have not remained hidden, but you have revealed yourself, not only through your works of creation and providence, but most supremely through your uh, work of redemption in, in the person of Jesus Christ. As we think this morning about these, your various works and how we are to pray to you as our creator, sustainer, and redeemer, we pray that as we reflect upon the truth of your word, that we would not be uh, mere hearers of this word, but that you would allow us through the power of your spirit to inwardly digest this teaching, that we may be edified and nourished as a pilgrim people. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, boys and girls, from where do you know your sin? Where do you know your sin? How do you come to know that you're a sinner? Ezekiel? The law of God tells us. Yes, the law of God tells us. It comes and exposes us in our life of sin. Well, what is true faith, boys and girls? What is true faith? Violet? Good. And what's the content of this faith? Isaiah? The Apostles' Creed. Uh, What benefit do we receive when we profess this true faith? Annabelle? Christ's righteousness. Where does this faith come from? Isaiah? The preaching of God's word. And what member of the Trinity creates faith through the preaching of God's word? Noel? The Apostles' Creed. The Holy Spirit, yes. Very good. And uh, what are the, um, and then the, the Spirit also uses the sacraments to confirm this faith. So the word in the sacraments. Again, this is why church is so important, because it's in church that we hear the preached word and we partake of the sacraments, the means that the Spirit uses to deliver the grace of God to us, the grace that we reflected upon in Titus chapter 2. What are the two keys of the kingdom, boys and girls? The two keys of the kingdom. Annabelle? Church discipline and the preaching of the word. So Christ has given the church authority to preach the word and to to discipline, which means to revoke the right to come to the Lord's table and commune with the the people of God. Uh, We finished a few weeks ago our consideration of the Ten Commandments. And in the Ten Commandments, we are called to uh, both love God and love our neighbor. The first four commandments speak about our love for God, and the last six speak about our love for neighbor. Now, boys and girls, uh, can we keep the Ten Commandments perfectly? Do you remember the language that our catechism uses, especially you youth? Can we keep the Ten Commandments perfectly? Ezekiel? Correct, yes. Even the holiest of a small beginning of of true perfect obedience when we measure ourselves against the holy law of God. Uh, Why does God still want this law preached if we can't keep it? What's the purpose of God's law? Remember the SOSs. What does God's law do? Annabelle? Yeah, it shows our Savior. It shows our sin, and then then it also uh, leads us to, um, to our Savior as a teacher. What else does it do? Ezekiel? It shows us how we are to live a life of gratitude in light of the grace of God that is appeared to us. Correct. Yes, it shows our service, our life of gratitude. Uh, we also have recently reflected upon prayer. Why should we pray? How we should pray? And the Catechism tells us that we are to pray because it's the chief part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. 
All the things that we are called to do as redeemed creatures, prayer has the esteemed position of number one because prayer functions as a microcosm of our entire life of gratitude. It, it represents really the posture of heart we are to have every moment of our days. And we are to pray humbly from the heart. We are to pray to God. Um, and we also, are, we also are to pray standing upon the unshakable foundation of Christ our Lord. Well, we continue on in the Lord's Prayer. And last, last week we considered the address in the Lord's Prayer, our Father who is in heaven. And now today we are going to look at that first petition. Hallowed be your name. Now we need to remember that Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer to us as a template to guide all of our prayers. Which means that we are to pray things that accord with the petitions in the Lord's Prayer. We're not just to recite these words only, but we are to pray lots of things that accord with the meaning of these petitions. This implies that we would do well to actually know what we're saying when we recite the Lord's Prayer. And so today we're going to reflect upon what, what do we mean when we recite every week, hallowed be your name. What does, what does that mean? To begin with, I'd like to, I'd like to make a few broad comments on this petition, and then we will uh, zoom in specifically as we consider what the catechism has to say in regards to this petition. Well, first, uh, the word hallow refers to uh, treating something as holy or revering something. So if you're hallowing God, you're uh, treating his name as holy or revering him. And furthermore, in, this, in the original language, this word is in the imperative mood, which means that it's given to us as a command. Moreover, this, this, this verb is also in the passive voice, so it's not immediately obvious who is doing the hallowing. Now, a number of questions come to mind as we just think about that brief explanation of this petition. The first of which is, who is doing the hallowing? Hallowed be your name. Well, this likely is a divine passive, which means we're praying that God would hallow his own name through us as his instruments. So we're praying that God would hallow his own name through us and in us as his instruments. Another question that may come to mind is, uh, is, is this. Does this petition imply that God is somehow not fully glorified in and of himself? Are we praying, hallowed be your name, because the glory of God is somehow deficient and God needs to add to his glory, to his holiness, to his splendor? Well, no. God is fully glorified in and of himself. So when we are, are praying this petition, what we're saying in the words of one author, we're saying that his we're praying that his holiness receive recognition. We are working on name recognition. We want God to be known, honored, and praised for what he is. So there's nothing deficient in the glory of God, but rather we're praying that God's glory would be made known to those in this world. One pastor uses the analogy of a magnifying glass. And so when you think about observing something through uh, a magnifying glass, you're not changing the object under consideration, but rather you're able to, to look at the object uh, in a closer light. And so the works of creation, providence, redemption, even us as human beings are to function as, as magnifying glasses as we seek to, to magnify 
the glory of God. When we use that, that word magnify, we're wanting uh, God's glory to appear great in the eyes of other people. And so no one or no thing can add to the glory of God. God is all-sufficient. Um, he is not dependent upon creation. He's not dependent upon us as his creatures. He has all glory and majesty in and of himself, but rather we're praying that God would use us as instruments to make his holy and glorified name known throughout this world. Last of all, we may wonder, well, why the emphasis on the name of God? Why not? Why didn't Jesus say, uh, hallowed be your character your or, or your wisdom or your grace or your justice? Why why does Jesus say, hallowed be your name? And the name that Jesus gives us is, is Father, as we say, our Father who is in heaven. Well, in ancient cultures, names were loaded with meaning. Uh, names were not given in an arbitrary manner. Uh, names had distinct meanings, and this was just a cultural practice in ancient societies. God, therefore, reveals his names in a way that fits this cultural practice. God's names are not arbitrary, but rather they reflect his character, his being, and his attributes. Now, growing up in a small town, one's last name meant something. It placed you within a very specific context. I remember growing up, old-timers would, would uh, come up to me and ask me what my last name was. And then their next question would be, who's your dad and who's your grandpa? They wanted to place me in a context, and this is true of most, most small, ethnically homogenous places in, in this country. Furthermore, in these small communities, your last name immediately shaded your reputation, no matter your individual character. There were certain last names that had the reputation for being wild, for reputa reputation for being stubborn, for being hardworking. Um, the list could go on. Well, names mean something. And so it is with God's names. God's names reveal his character, his attributes, his, his being. And so uh, uh, when, when Jesus says, hallowed be your name, he's referring to the attributes of God in summary form. Therefore, in sum, in this first petition, we're praying that God would magnify to those in this world his glory, a glory that's not dependent upon this creation through us as his instruments. In a broad perspective, that's what this first petition means. Now, the catechism very helpfully applies this for us and gives us some specific concrete ways um, that we can pray in light of this commandment. And so I'd like to look at those specific things that our catechism lays before us. So notice that, first of all, question answer 122 says that when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're praying that God would help us to truly know him. When we pray, hallowed be your name, we're praying that God would give us both the desire and the ability to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Boys and girls, when you pray, hallowed be your name, you're praying that God would place in your heart a desire to be fed upon the preached word. Even a desire to come to catechism and learn the great truths of the Christian faith. We're praying that God would give us the desire and ability to know him more and more. Now, what's the connection between growing in our knowledge of God and hallowing his name? Well, one way in which we show respect, honor, and love towards someone is through taking the time to get to know them, asking them questions, and also attentively listening to their responses. This is how we honor, respect, and love other people. This is one way we can honor, respect, 
older generations, as younger generations. We take the time to learn from them and get to know them and their life experience and the wisdom that they have to offer. For instance, if, if in a marriage a spouse no longer takes interest in his or her partner's life, vocation, um, anxieties, worries, hopes, dreams, that partner is not going to feel very loved and that's not going to be a recipe for a happy marriage. In a very similar way, one way in which we show love, honor, respect to God is through growing in our knowledge of Him. Or to put it another way, as we grow in our knowledge of Him, we're showing honor, love, and respect to God. And so when we pray, hallowed be your name, we are praying that God would, would cause us to grow in our knowledge of God as He's revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we pray, help us, help us to truly know you. Well, question answer 122 continues, and it says that when we pray this first petition, when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're praying that God would help us to honor, glorify, and praise him, that is to say God, for all his works. So we're praying that we would have a worshipful spirit as we not only reflect upon God himself, but as we as we engage and, and, and encounter the works of God in our life. And here the catechism, and what, what, what are the works of God? Well, the works of God are his works of creation, his works of providence, his works of redemption. And the catechism goes on and says, we're not just to praise God for his works, but we're also to praise God for what his works reveal about himself. When we reflect upon God's works of creation and providence, we are to praise God for his power, his wisdom, his justice, and his truth. And then when we reflect upon God's work of redemption, we are to praise God for his mercy and for his grace. And so when you witness a beautiful aspect of this creation, you are to praise God. You are to praise God as creator, as sustainer. You are to praise God for the truth, the wisdom, the power, the glory that is proclaimed through that aspect of creation. David says in Psalm 19 that the heavens, the heavens themselves declare the glory of God, declare the power of God, declare the justice of God, and all people are held accountable by that revelation. We also are to praise God for uh, his, his works of providence in our life. Now, right now, e each one of us should be incredibly thankful for God's gracious benevolence towards us as his creatures. Uh, we all could have been born into a third world country on the brink of starvation. We had no control over that. As we celebrated the 4th of July this, this last week, we, we we all could have been born in another country with very little opportunity ever to get to this country and enjoy the wealth and prosperity that we all are enjoying today in America. Uh, we all could have been born into a home in which our parents were addicts and we were neglected and abused from the very earliest of ages. And we can continue to go on and on. So many things that the Lord has, has, has shielded us from or provided for us that we had absolutely no control over. And so, yes, we all have particular difficulties and trials and crosses that we're called to bear in this life. But with every difficulty, there are dozens, dozens of ways in which God has and is currently providing for us that we are to thank him for. John Calvin, as he reflects upon this first petition in his Institutes of the Christian Religion, he, he says, one way in which we obscure the glory of God is through our ingratitude. 
And so when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're praying that the Lord would make us grateful creatures, grateful for his good providence in our lives. We also are to praise God for his work of redemption. That is to say, when we open up the scriptures or as we come to church on Sunday, we are to especially praise God for his mercy and grace that's been revealed to us in the appearance of the grace of God. In Psalm 103, David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Uh, bless, my soul, uh, bless the Lord of my soul and forget not all his benefits. And he goes on to enumerate these redemptive benefits that we've received uh, from our gracious covenant-keeping God. Our God forgives our iniquity. He redeems our life. He crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. And we are to praise God for the redemption that we have received, a free and gracious redemption. Now, we are to praise God every day of the week, for sure, but, but we also are to... Praise God, especially on the Lord's Day in corporate worship. And so when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're praying for the worship of the church. We're praying that the church's worship would be pure, that the church would worship according to the command of God as revealed in his word. We're praying that the church remain committed to preaching the whole counsel of God and, and administering the sacraments according to the word of God, and that the church would be faithful in discipling and disciplining her members. So we're praying for the church. And this petition also then is connected to missions, we're praying that more and more people would come to praise, honor, and glorify the name of God. We're praying for the second coming of Christ in this first petition. As we're praying for that day when all the elect of God will be praising God with one unified voice. And so, when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're praying for the praise and worship of the people of God. We're praying for our own praise and worship every day of the week, but especially on Sundays as we encounter God's works of creation, providence, and redemption. We're praying that we'd be a grateful people, a people who, who don't lose sight of the common, ordinary evidences of God's faithful provision in our lives. Well, last of all, in question answer 122, our catechism says that when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're praying that God would help us to direct all our living, what we think, say, and do, so that your name will never be blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. And so in this sense, the catechism is showing us how this first uh, petition is functioning as a microcosm for our life of gratitude. In that, our entire lives are to be devoted to the hallowing of God's name. We are to hallow God's name in our speech, in our actions, and in our words. We either blaspheme or praise God by what we think, by what we say, or by what we do. Months ago, we reflected upon the third commandment. In the third commandment, God forbids taking his name in vain and calls us to speak of his name reverently. And when we were thinking about that, I, I mentioned how in baptism, God places his name upon us. We are now identified with a covenant community of God. And by the waters of baptism, we are called to a new way of life. We're called to represent God. We're, we're called to represent God's name by what we say, by what we think, and by what we do. And so we either blaspheme the name of God or we praise the name of God by what we think, say, and do. And so when we pray, hallowed be your name, what we're really praying is that the Lord would sanctify our thoughts. We're praying that the Lord would sanctify our words. We're praying that the Lord would sanctify our actions. We're praying that the Lord, who is the author of sanctification, would continue that good work in us as he promises to do. It's interesting, the early church, the early church especially before the conversion of Constantine, they had very little power over uh, uh, culture. 
They really had no, no ability to change or transform culture, but they did have influence in how a pagan culture perceived them. Uh, Pliny the Younger, who was a magistrate for Emperor Trajan in the first uh, couple of centuries after the Apostolic Church, he, he wrote a letter to the Emperor Trajan, and he, he said that he has nothing, nothing against the Christians. They're upright citizens. They, they worship together on the Lord's Day. They break bread, and they seek to obey the laws of God better than the pagans do. And this is what we are to do as we live in a pagan society. We are to care about how we are perceived by a watching world. We're praying the Lord would sanctify us, our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. Or in the language of Titus chapter 2, we're praying that we would not revile the word of God, but that we'd adorn the sound doctrine of the word of God. Now, Psalm 115, which is that psalm that we read earlier, is a psalm in which the psalmist, at the very beginning, says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. The psalmist is confessing that we are not to live in order to hallow our own name, but we are to live in order to hallow the name of God. And the psalmist then goes on to speak about a number of things that we are to praise God for. He's our help, our shield. He remembers us. He blesses us. In a certain extent, Psalm 115 is an extended commentary on this first petition. In fact, many psalms are extended commentaries on, on this first petition, as we are called to be a people who hallow the name of God. And so let us pray that the Lord would indeed use us as his instruments to make his name and glory known throughout this world. Let us pray.